Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Once considered taboo and woefully underfunded in terms of research and product development, women's health will continue to emerge as a major growth opportunity for food and beverage brands in 2024 as hormonal health and menopause rise to the top of the list of health claims fueling social discussions. According to the global AI platform TasteWise's 2024 Foods Trend Report, consumer discussions around food and beverage for hormone health increased 118% in the last two years. Also in the top 10 fastest growing health claims dominating social discussions in the past year are women's health, coming in at number four, sex health at number five, and fertility at 10. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Lee Brimer, Marketing Communications Manager at TasteWise, shares what is driving this increased interest in women's health and its market potential for food and beverage players. We also discuss what ingredients are most associated with women's health and where there's opportunity for product development to better meet the needs of half of the population. He also shares how consumers' views on the other health issues will influence food and beverage, including the current weight loss medication craze and the evolving discussion about sweeteners and sugar reduction. He also shares what other food trends will gain momentum this year based on the platform's six years of deep food and beverage expertise, fueled in part by real-time data and AI-powered models. These include hot topics like the emergence of the Wahio as the new go-to pepper for 2024, shifts in late-night snacking and how consumers are balancing indulgence and affordability. So acutely aware of the challenges and risks associated with trying to predict the future, Brymar explains that TasteWise bases its predictions and uncovers areas ripe for innovation by looking not just at what consumers say or do, but both. And then they place it in context with social media, as well as its own insights from TasteWise's collection and AI engine. Um, for us at TasteWise, we're um, a really AI-powered consumer data platform. And what I mean by that is we're looking specifically at what consumers have to say about food and beverage specifically. So we're not um, looking at retail data or what was purchased. We're looking at the why behind that purchase. What drove that increase in, um, for example, functional energy beverages? Was it gut health? Was it a specific diet? Was it um, an ethical claim? So at TasteWise, we're looking at four main sources of data. We're looking at what's happening in home, what recipes people are engaging with, um, and the, the claims that they call out. So for example, is someone turning to um, making a pasta dinner because it follows their keto diet, or, or why did they choose that recipe? Why did they engage with it? We're looking at the restaurant side of things. So what's on menus outside of home? What are people ordering? What are the best sellers online? And then um, the the components of those. So what are the flavors, the tastes? Are consumers looking for something more crunchy out of home than they are in home because of not not having, let's say, an air fryer or a deep fryer at home? Um, so tracking those elements of the out of home trends. 
as well as um, bridging it all together with social media, specifically really image and video driven social media, where we see a lot of trends um, and, and fads pop up. So things like Instagram, TikTok are very big um, for us. And then the new piece of the puzzle, which we recently added, is more on the, the e-retail shelf data. So what are consumers buying from retail stores for food and beverage, but online? What do their, what do their baskets look like? Um, where is their opportunity for white space? Based on careful analysis of these factors, Brimer said that one of the most promising and disruptive trends that TasteWise predicts will disrupt the food and beverage market in 2024 is around women's health, which is representative of consumers' overall increasing sophistication about the role of nutrition in their health and their desire for more specific claims. So over the last two years, we've seen over a 25% decrease in consumer uh, interest in generic health. So the word health, um, healthy, things like that, people are talking about it a lot less. Now, mind you, it's still in, in the world of food and beverage, it's still a, a dominating claim um, over almost about 6% of all social conversations relating to food and beverage um, have to do with health. But that is down from where it was even two years ago. Um, that doesn't mean that consumers are less interested in health. Don't get me wrong. It just means that saying something is healthy isn't good enough anymore. Brands need to and products need to focus on more specific health claims um, in order to catch their consumers um, at the right moment and personalize their their products to the, the benefits that people are looking from from their food and beverage. On the other side of the scale, uh, while health has been you know, on the decline, we've seen specific health claims like, for example, hormone health, menopause, women's health, even things like sex drive fertility, um, metabolism, all of these grow quite a bit over the last two years. So what we focused on in our report was um, the concept of women's health being having been taboo to talk about in the past and now coming more and more into social conversations. Um, and the fact is that when you look at consumers, um, pretty much no matter where you live, half of the population are women. And about at least a third of those women are somewhere in their menstrual cycle. So this is a huge percentage of the purchasing power of our products. So we need to make sure that we're doing a better job to call out and advertise and market and, and actually create products that answer the, the needs that these women are looking for. So um, what we've seen specifically is when it comes to ingredients that are most associated with women's health, um, there are, you know, many of them, things like collagen, beetroot, turmeric. But of the top 12 that we found, over half of them are within the nuts, the nuts and seeds category. So things like chia, pumpkin seed, sesame, hemp seed. Um, there's also sunflower seed. Um Brazil nuts, things like that, they're all growing um, hugely year over year in social discussion and are really highly associated with women's health, oftentimes for the, the benefits that come, come out of them. Um, and something that we uncovered, which I found really fascinating, was what we call the, the seed cycle. I'm not sure if that's something that um, you've heard of in the past. Maybe it's my my ignorance being a man, um, but uh, generally speaking, different um, 
at different times in the, the menstrual cycle, different phases, um, your body needs different things, right? Different hormones, different things like, like an estrogen boost or a progesterone boost, things like that. So different ingredients are really well suited to add these to your diet. So things like flaxseed are really, really helpful, especially like in the follicular phase when you're looking for more of an estrogen boost. So there's this kind of concept of eating in a, in a cyclical way, the same way that our, our, you know, women's bodies are in a cyclical, running in a cyclical way. Um, so that's, that's kind of the idea here is, um, our, I guess our tip, our advice to people that have products out there that contain certain nuts and seeds is to understand these benefits and to call them out. Talk, think about your advertising. Think about your packaging. Um, these, while these once taboo topics, um, used to not be top of mind, you have a huge section of your consumer base that are looking for these and, um, they may already exist in your product without you calling them out. Brands developing products or messaging around women's health also should be aware that rising consumer interest in natural sugars, which Brimer says complements consumer interest in women's health, but also reaches farther. We're seeing um, uh, there's processed sugars are, are really highly recognized culprits for disturbing hormone balance. And with this high growth in interest in hormone health, um, your your consumers definitely are aware of this. So um, when it comes to that natural sugar or natural sweeteners, the ones that are, are seeing the most growth are things like date syrup, um, manuka honey, uh, lucuma, agave, maple syrup. So these are all like showing a lot of growth. Um, the biggest one, of course, being date syrup. I mentioned at the beginning, showing um, over 50% growth uh, year over year in relation to hormone health. So um, don't uh, call out, uh, let's say, a woman's health claim or, or need on your packaging and then put in a processed sugar that kind of cancels out the, the benefit there. Consumer interest in managing their health through diet also will be heavily influenced in 2024 by weight loss drugs, which TasteWise predicts will open the door for product innovations that address consumers' weight management concerns but also address their health more holistically. Um, there's been some uh, big shifts in approvals from the FDA, specifically for weight loss medication in, in the States. Um, uh, medication like Ozempic, there's uh, Wagovi, Barberine, there's, there's a bunch of them. Um, but we've seen a lot of social conversation increase over, over um, the last year, over um, 360% increase in social conversation. So it is something notable. Um, normally, our trends uh, that we include in the report are based over the last two years. This one specifically is just over the last year because it is a pretty emerging trend. So something to watch. But what's really cool about this trend, in my opinion, is um, I feel like the perception around um, diet pills is not the right word to use, but like weight loss medication um, was always all about like really losing weight and not about health, um, at least when I was growing up. So what's been cool to see is that when consumers are starting conversations about weight management, they're looking for things like self-care, nourishing, vitality, guilt-free, mood-boosting. So they are tuned into their, their health as well and not just about their appearance. 
So I think that that is um, a healthy shift depending on how you want to look at it. The other thing that I do want to, to point out, too, is the trend that we've seen around these um, medications for weight management is around portion control. So it's not about um, not trying new things or, or, or restricting on um, what foods I can and can't eat. It's more about the portions of those foods. Um, and that's oftentimes a lot of what these uh, medications are, are, are pointing towards. They, they, um, I guess make you, make you feel like you're less hungry, so you do eat less. So the, the concept is portion control. So, um, that's something that brands can look out to, look for as well when they're producing products, making sure that, you know, they have the right portion information and that they're, um, they're in portionable sizes too. As illustrated by the influence of weight loss drugs and holistic wellness and product innovation, consumers' interest in health is no longer siloed as it once was with quote-unquote health food in one aisle and indulgent options in another. Rather, TasteWise found consumers increasingly want it all, healthy, indulgent, and in today's difficult economic environment, affordable. This trifecta is leading to some surprising selections, including awful, the preparation for which TasteWise found is up 28% year over year. Consumers are looking to have wallet-friendly meals and to feed them, their families, but um, aren't willing to sacrifice on flavor, taste, indulgence, um, that kind of reward at the end of the day, let's say. So the trend that's come out of it is actually um, what they call um, head-to-tail eating and the rise of offal. For those that don't know, by the way, offal is um, non-muscle animal meat, so usually like the organs, things like heart, liver, etc., um, however, like I said, um, while I don't eat this, I am more of a proponent of sustainability. And the reality is that if everyone um, eats chicken breasts, then so much of a chicken is being wasted, right? So if people do, um, you know, consume more of the animal, which is actually more of a traditional way of eating in the first place, not only is it more sustainable, but it's also a lot more nutrient rich too. Like if you look at, um, I know everyone's crazed of protein, but if you look at, for example, the vitamins, minerals, um, that come from something like a chicken heart or a chicken liver versus a chicken breast, there, there's actually a lot, a lot of a nutritional claim along with a sustainability claim too. The re, the way that offal surfaced for us is not just People, you know, cooking, let's say, a whole chicken or a liver plain, but it was about creating indulgent moments out of it. So really um, elevating those experiences because maybe you're saving on some of the cost of the meat. You get to incorporate some other really exciting ingredients, too, so that the culinary experience is still pretty elevated. Interest in balancing indulgence and health is also prompting shifts in when consumers snack and what they reach for, according to TasteWise's 2024 Trends Report, which found consumer interest in late-night eating is up 18% year-over-year, with many people prioritizing foods, beverages, and ingredients that won't compromise their sleep quality or cause weight gain or other health issues. We've seen some really interesting... uh interesting trends around late night snacking, eating and drinking um, around late night occasion has grown um, over almost 20% in the last two years. And then of that time of day, so when people are eating, you know, or drinking late at night, um, if you were to break that down, the three most popular occasions, let's call them within that are would be snacking, uh, dinner and dessert. 
And snacking by far leads the way. Um, more than twice as much interest in snacking for late night as um, dinner or dessert. So people are looking for snacks late night. But again, us consumers these days, we want it all. So um, <laughs> consumers, they're really um, looking for that snack at the late night occasion, but they're not willing to give up their more, more health conscious uh, habits, let's say. So um, we're also seeing the needs around the consumer needs around late night eating, that there's a lot of growth in sleep improvement, um, blood sugar reduction, um, general wellness. People are looking for fiber. Um, there's always that growing need for protein. Um, on the more like um, consumer claim side, people are looking for satisfying, refreshing, authentic. So Again, us consumers not making it easy uh, for companies out there, um, wanting that late night snack to be indulgent and satisfying, but still not take away from, let's say, our sleep or, or our general wellness. Um, so alongside of this, we took that into account and kind of tried to understand what consumers were turning to for late night snacking occasions. And they wanted things that were really rich in protein, were rich in fiber, um, that, that allowed them to get the, the energy or the satisfaction from the food, but without having spikes of sugar, without having spikes of, in their blood sugar. Uh, so the all, all roads in this case really pointed to another trend that was happening, which was the, the rise in protein packed cottage cheese. I don't know, um, how into the, the food trends on TikTok you are, but there was a whole craze around cottage cheese this year. Um, cottage cheese for everything, for snacking, for savory, for sweet. So, um, we saw a lot of really, really interesting content come out of, um, the protein, uh, packed cottage cheese for late night snacking occasions and specifically mixed with things like, you know, almond butter, chia, things like that to really give that, that full feeling after eating. Um, but without adding that, um, sugar into the mix. Consumers for years have been looking to add more spice to their food as Brimer notes, but he adds they try more diverse peppers and preparations and increasingly are looking for more than just heat. They also want authenticity and a unique or premium experience, which TasteWise predicts will lead to the rise in 2024 of the Wahio pepper. Consumers are looking for spices. They're looking for um, more authentic, unique, premium experiences with their spices. The the chili pepper that really showed the most consistent growth year over year was the Wahio pepper, um, which is um, native to Latin America and really it's it's already actually very very mature there it's the second most common dried chili that's used in mexican cuisine and um it really hit all of those claims on the head so we're we're seeing it um for example when it related to uniqueness um people were related the wajillo pepper 1.6 times more than any other pepper to uniqueness and for authenticity four times more than traditional peppers traditional uh chili peppers so it really uh, was a was a great fit, and where we've seen it being used most is in, of course, savory dishes, um, specifically stewed, roasted, um, and blended preparations. Um, and then the two kind of dishes that emerged as really good pairings for this was I don't know if you've had or tried the sal- salsa matcha. 
like a like a chili uh based salsa a little bit more thick with oils in it dried peppers nuts um it it's spicy but that kind of taste of nuttiness too so it's a really nice condiment to add to things so um def- definitely if you do like spicy food those out there make sure to try it i personally am, am obsessed um but the the wahio pepper is a great it we're showing um a lot of use of the wahio pepper in salsa matcha um dishes and also in meat rich dishes so for example like the birria taco is something that stood out first of all as kind of a a dish dish to watch over the last like year and a half but um specifically incorporating this pepper into the already popular dish of the birria taco other emerging flavors in 2024 according to tastewise will come from south and east asian cuisine which brimer notes may be newer to the western palate but are being fused with more familiar dishes and applications to encourage consumer experimentation. Where this specifically Southeast uh, Asian fusion flavors um, came from, or or the the why behind it, was that uh, we're seeing, um, in terms of the experiences consumers are looking for from their food and beverage, we're seeing a big growth in adventurous, over um, 51% over the last two years, Um, 47% growth when it comes to unique experiences and 38% growth when it comes to creative experiences. So in their own rights, these are all, you know, important or, or interesting, but when you put them together, it really means that consumers are, are interested to try some new flavors. Now, when it comes to trying new flavors, again, people are a little bit less likely to order, let's say, if we're looking about like a traditional menu at a restaurant, maybe a main dish that has flavors they don't know. But consumers really are open to experimenting for flavors in two categories we see a lot. They are beverages as also um, desserts. Those are really areas that people say, okay, you know what, I'll, it's a little maybe a smaller, a lower risk um, part of the meal. Let me uh, try something a little bit new. So, um, again, coming back to that uniqueness, creativity, and adventurous, um, then we're looking at um, this, the Southeast Asian flavors that are most associated with that in the West. So we've seen, um, I'll give an example from three different kind of cuisines, one being Korean, another being Thai, and another being Filipino. So we're seeing, for example, flavors in the uh, dessert category. For Korean, we're seeing red bean, um, which has been around for a while. Um, some of you guys may have, you know, had been having red bean ice cream for many years. I know, for example, I grew up in uh, Toronto, Canada, which has a, a really big Asian population, specifically Korean and, and Japanese. So um, I, I had, had been seeing red bean for a while, but it's still been showing over 11% growth in social discussions within the last year. Um, for the Thai side of things, there's pandan coconut, which is really fragrant and sweet, flavorful. Um, so yeah, it has a bit of like a creaminess from like the coconut milk side of things. And um, there is quite a lot of growth here um, in in pandan coconut, we're seeing 15% growth year over year. And that's specifically for the dessert category as well. Nicely, like sweet, earthy kind of taste too. And the last one, which is uh, actually really, really delicious, highly recommend if you haven't tried it, is calamansi, 
which is everywhere in the Philippines. Um, it's, it's, um, a citrus fruit. So it's, um, a little bit more on the tangy flavor. Um, but it can very easily be transformed into a sorbet and, you know, just adding some juice, like a simple syrup, pinch of salt, that kind of things. And it's showing, um, 35% growth year over year in the, um, dessert category. So those are some great examples of those flavors that then are, you know, maybe not used, for example, for ice cream in the Philippines, but that ice cream is a good vessel for, let's say, the Western palate to test a flavor like calamansi. Other emerging trends that TasteWise explores in its 2024 trends report include the impact of fast-moving digital and pop culture on food, which Brimer says can be hard to keep up with in a timely and relevant fashion. But, he adds, AI and platforms like TasteWise can help speed and de-risk the innovation process. To learn more about the impact of digital and pop culture on food and AI's potential both in product development and storytelling, be sure to check out TasteWise's full 2024 trends report, which is available at tastewise.io. With that, we've come to the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again for another installment. And to ensure that you remember, I encourage you to subscribe. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week. Mm -hmm.